Welcome. Yes, this is the Suicide Prevention Show. We are waking up the world and we are doing it in this very, very, very unique way. Why? Because we know suicide is serious and we believe suicide prevention can be seriously fun, which is why we are going and moving away from the ordinary and into the extraordinary with Lynn DeCarmine, who is gonna help us go from ordinary to extraordinary and tell us how to do that. So without further ado, I will stop sharing my screen and invite Lynn to come into the studio. Oh, look at you with your own studio. Hey, Jackie, thank you so much for letting me be here. <clears throat> I appreciate it. Oh, I'm super excited. Um, you know, we just had that wonderful opportunity to be on the same show being interviewed by the same host. Happy yes. to be Yeah, <laughs> happy to be Becky Norwood. <laughs> and it was like, oh, yeah, extraordinary being. Tell me the, well, all right, introduce yourself, Lynn. And then, because I, I want to know this whole story behind the extraordinary. Sure, sure. Well, first and foremost, my name is Len DeCarmine. I am the host, coach, and creator of the Extraordinary Being Movement. And what that is about is a global movement to empower people for personal growth and achievement. See, we feel that everybody has the ability to be extraordinary because that's what you were born to be, to be extraordinary. But the way we think and the way we are at times based upon our environment makes us think small and sit on the sidelines where we just end up just being ordinary and average when we're, when we're not really showing our greatness of who we truly are that we were meant to be in life. And people just you know feel at times that they don't have it, but we all have it. All right, so let's start there. Yes. When, did you tell me what, when did you five figure out that we all, including you, we all yes. have the ability to be extraordinary? When did you figure that out? I realized it when I stopped playing small in my life, when I stopped letting the past control me, when I stopped having these negative thoughts in my mind hold me back and just starting to realize that many things I did accomplish in my life, no matter how big or small they were, and taking ownership for those things and realizing the greatness within myself and the difference that I can make in people's lives on every single level, even if it's just holding the door open for somebody or sitting down and having that emotional, that in-depth emotional conversation that they might be going through that can, you know, take them from, you know, a, a mindset of pain to a mindset of relief or a, a new way of thinking, you know, finding a new direction in life that can really make a difference for them. And, and this is a lifelong journey. I'm still on this pathway for this, for, to continue finding myself, to continue growing. It's not just, you just don't find it and then you end it. <clears throat> you find it and you keep growing with it and you I, teach others. <laughs> I'm gonna pause you just a minute because I can tell you can, you, can, you can go through this and keep rolling on this, but what's missing for me, Len. Okay. The story. So let's take them back to before that moment, because you said a lot of things in a life that is ordinary. What did an ordinary life look like for you? 
feeling sorry for myself, feeling that I wasn't good enough. Um, myself, my own personal journey, I, I grew up um, in, in, a very ver in a verbally abusive household. Um, not where I, I was, my father was an individual who was very masculine, very strong, very firm. And if he didn't feel that you were man enough, then he would, you know, make me feel small. And I've gone through my life feeling small and I've surrounded my people, myself with people that continuously made me feel small. Okay, so that's an important piece just to pause on. Yes. You know, and, and Lynn, this idea that someone can make us feel small. Mm. In a world inspired by Eleanor Roosevelt that says, no one can make you feel inferior without yeah. your consent, doesn't apply when we're kids. That's correct. And that's something I had to learn over the years of my own personal journey that I'm in control on how I want somebody to make me feel. And once I discovered that, that I'm the one that's allowing them to make me feel small, and I started to become more aware of this through my learnings and through the teachings, I started to change my perspective. I'm, I started to learn how to be in control myself of me and what I can control. I can't control how they think of me, but I can control how I think of myself. Mm -hmm. And if I want to think of myself as small, then I'm going to think it internally and then my environment's going to constantly show me that because that's what is pulling in now is pulling in all these things that's going to make me feel small in my life. And once I realize that I don't need to feel this way, that, and if I, that I can flip the switch and make myself feel big and make myself feel confident by doing things that make me feel confident so I can constantly keep building that up, feeling that new, feeling that new body sensation of this feeling, this, this energy, this, this vibration of, of feeling positive and feeling great and feeling empowered. So when you first shifted from ordinary to extraordinary, when you first got that this was under your control, yes. who gave you the biggest pushback? Actually, the whole world gave me the biggest pushback. Everybody, you know, people don't want to see you grow in life at times. And the world is sometimes, in my view, is, is always pushing you, always testing you. So this is where you have to learn how to be resilient, learn how to build confidence in yourself and see that you are on this, on this island among all, this, all these people in, in this entire world that you have the power, no matter what's going on around you, to keep pushing yourself forward, to keep moving yourself forward. Because the world, as we all know, is not always very nice. And you have to, I mean, you have to start seeing the world differently in a way that you, in the way that you can control it, you can master it to create your own world, to create the positivity and an environment you want to create. That's a really good point because with a worldview of, you know, the world is not very nice, mm -hmm. it could be easy to fall into despair. Yes. Yeah, it could be easy to fall into despair. So the missing piece for me was deciding that 
you can take control of that. So that was, that was a really good answer and not a very personal one because the whole world is not very personal. So to help right. people understand your journey, what was, because we all go on a journey. Of course. When you decided, what were the things that first put the cracks in that um, belief system that said, I'm small? What were the sure. things that happened or who were the people who influenced you that put cracks in that? Sure. Like I said, growing up for me, I came from a good household overall. I didn't come from um, a family that was struggling. I just, I just had various members in my family that were struggling with their own past teammates. And I've come to understand those more so as I've grown and matured as an adult and having my own family and my own children and understanding the environment that my father was in when he was a child and understanding my grandparents and how they were raised. Because a lot of things that we do in life are based upon our values and our belief systems that have gone from generation to generation. And a lot of those belief systems don't serve us now as we are in today but we hold on to those a lot. So growing up and being in an environment where I was told I wasn't good enough and that, you know, if I didn't play, you know, if I didn't start improving my skills, like for example, being in baseball, I was going to be placed into women's softball. Okay. So I was always, there's a, there was a lot of shaming, not being this ideal image of whatever he had at that time. Now I do want to share my father and I have made amends. We've, we have talked, we've run a different level of relationship and I'm talking about a past that happened then. It's not the relationship I have now. So I just want to make sure people understand that because I do have a, a good relationship with my father. Now we are growing, we are making changes necessary and not everything was his fault. There's a lot of other things that, you know, we understand this. We're not into blame here either. Sure. But what I am interested in yes. is growing up in that environment, adopting the belief that, you know, there was something wrong with you, basically. Yes. That, um, you, that you weren't measuring up and maybe never measure up is what I'm hearing. What I'm asking is, what was the catalyst for change for you? The catalyst, the real catalyst for change with me was when I was 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And my girlfriend at the time became pregnant with my daughter, who is now 24 years old. And I realized at that point that I did not want to raise my child in the same environment that I was raised in and that I wanted to be a different type of father. I wanted to encourage her. I wanted to give her the love that she needed. I wanted to step up into a different way of being then the way I was raised and I wanted to tell her I loved her more that when I didn't need to, but all the time so that she always knew and felt loved. And that was really the catalyst that really started to get me on more of this personal journey where I have been studying and, and learning and training for, for years to learn, to learn how to better myself as a human being. So where did you start on this journey of personal development? You know, because I've read a lot of parenting books over the years. Most of them don't focus on personal development. 
Correct. Well, my big inspiration was actually my uncle. Um, he was did one of the original firewalks with Tony Robbins back in the day. And he really got me to start thinking differently. He's always been a man who's been very worldly, very cultured, and he's experienced a lot in his life. And he was really the catalyst that started to make me think about the type of person who I need to become into and started giving me the resources and the tools and the knowledge and the places to look for I could, so I could start learning and start growing from where I am to, you know, where I eventually became or where I am now. Cause he's, he's sort of the type of relationship I had with my father growing up. He was an active person in my life and he saw that I needed that help. And he helped me become more self-aware about my actions, about my behaviors, about my thoughts, which has really has continued, continues, continues me on this journey to keep making a difference and now making a difference for other people. Cool. So everybody could should have a good uncle. Yeah, that's that's right. Or or a good coach or a good mentor, somebody that can really give them give them the the, the point them in the right direction for them to learn and to flourish. Definitely. Cool. That's that's lovely, and I appreciate you sharing that story and you know letting us peek into the fact that you know that you had more than one influence going on in your world at the time. Yes, yes, and, and as I kept learning more about these various individuals like Tony Robbins and Jim Rowe and Brian Tracy, all these big names that were in the personal de- personal development realm, they started to become my mentors. You know, I may not be able to pick up the call and call, pick up the phone and call them, but they were there in a book for me, in an audio cassette, you know, listening to them online, watching them on a YouTube video. They were there to be my mentors, even though I couldn't be there with them physically, but they were still there mentoring me one way or another. So when I was having a down day, I wasn't feeling, you know, myself in the day, I'll, I'll put on a little less brown and feel that motivation, that energy, that that power that he has behind that big voice of his to make me feel no longer small, but to feel powerful and help me start changing my mindset, start getting this new sensation throughout my body that I am unstoppable, that I can do anything. And that really helped make a difference in my life. Sounds like quite the journey, Len. Thank you. At what point did this become a journey that you wanted to share with others? As I started to grow, it's, it's been something that's been in me for a very long time. I just have this, this, I just have this ongoing feeling that I need to help people, that I need to be servicing people in every type of career that I've been in. And I try to do that in any way I possibly can. And as I kept learning more about personal development and mindset, I started to share that more with people in every business I was in, in every field or in, in my in my, in my home environment, in my work environment, with my friends. And I start to listen to their problems and their issues. And I start giving them, you know, maybe probably unsolicited advice at the time, but I gave them, you know, direction and feedback in a positive way to start seeing them make small little changes. And that started to build my confidence up saying, you know what, I think this is where I need to be. I think my true calling in life is really to make a difference in the lives of others. And I've been doing that now 
for a number of years. And pretty much the last three years, it's been my sole focus. And that's how the Extraordinary Being Movement was born. My partners and I met in the meetup group, and we were all on a journey to really transform our own lives, but we all felt stuck. So we're banded together, started a podcast, started talking about dating and relationships and realized this is so much bigger than us. And we need to take this on a bigger scale so we can start making a difference in other people's lives. And that's how the Extraordinary Being Movement started. Because we realized that we all have the ability to be extraordinary. And this movement is about taking people from point A of pain to point B of, of pleasure to to see that there is hope, that, that change is possible. That's an amazing thing, to help people see that there is hope and that change is possible. Yes. So you mentioned that you've been doing this for a while, and I love that you brought up that it started out with giving your friends what was probably unsolicited <laughs> advice. I, I that, you know, It's like, yeah, okay, I kind of resemble that remark. You know, been there, done that. Um, it's, it's an interesting shift. What created this shift? I mean, what made you decide to go pro, if you will? Because I wanted to live my life of passion. And I wasn't doing that. I wasn't being true to myself. Being in the various other environments that I was in, um, I was I a real like euphemisms much less. No, no, no. That was, yeah. Yeah, what, yeah. what environment were you in? I mean, were you hanging out in opium dens? You <laughs> tell us the story. No, yeah, of course. No, I, I I was working a lot of multiple jobs, and I realized, and one of my one of my longest career was being a real estate agent for many years. And being as being a real estate agent, there's a lot of ups and downs in that type of environment where some days you might be getting a paycheck, some days you may not be paying a paycheck. But my whole point of being in real estate was I wanted to change and change people's lives. I wanted to give them that 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 power of having their own home and giving them that financial freedom to start making a change and making a difference in their lives. But because of the stress of the of real estate. And the ups and downs of it, it actually burnt me out where I realized that this isn't for me. I had an anxiety attack. I broke down and I just had to stop being in that type of environment where, yes, I was helping people, but it was also toxic towards me because I, I was never sure when I was going to have another paycheck. Because when you're working on straight commission and you, you never know if a deal is going to go through and there's so many, there are so many factors that affect that, that deal that you can lose them, many of them in one month. And that's happened to me. And that was, it started to become a pattern where I was, I lost, you know, three in one month, five in next month. And there was things beyond my control. And I realized this isn't the environment. Yes, I wanted to help people, but the way I'm doing it was not the way I was meant to be doing it. You actually tapped into something I feel really strongly about. I'm a firm believer that the insecurity, the worry about money mm -hmm. is at the root of most disease. And yes. whether you spell it dis, D-I-S hyphen ease, or the word disease is in the biological mental processes. The worry about money is such a pervasive joy stealer. Mm -hmm. 
So how did that impact you with raising your daughter to be in that environment? It, it was very stressful. I was always in survival mode. I was always reacting. And I was always stuck working all the time. I mean, real estate is in a, a nine to five job. It's seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And that put a lot of stress on my family, on my on raising my daughter. And that living in that environment wasn't healthy at all for us. And that really made a big impact because, you know, <clears throat> I couldn't be there all the time to for her to watch her grow, to watch her do things because I had to be out working. And my wife and I at the time, my ex-wife and I at the time agreed that we would have a one income family coming in that she wanted to raise, you know, our daughter and our other boys as time went on. And we agreed to that. But that also put a lot of stress on that. I was grateful that my daughter and my boys were eventually raised in a, in a, in the opportunity where their mother was able to do that, but it also put a lot of stress on our relationship because I couldn't be there for everything. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find that balance, you know, that, that balance of family and work and everything else that eventually started to put a lot of stress and damage on our relationship and on our marriage. I can understand that. Yes. So what came next when you decided that real estate wasn't going to cut it anymore? Once I realized, I, I knew for a while now that really, I knew for a long time when I was in real estate, this wasn't going to be my end all. This wasn't where I want to be in life. And I've been working within the personal development realm, learning and training, but I just wasn't there yet. I wasn't able to financially afford to put myself through various trainings and programs until I started making some more money in real estate. And about about five years before I decided I had enough, I already started to train myself. I started to go and get trained as a hypnotherapist. I started to send myself through uh, coaching school where I learned, it took me about three years. Uh, and I went through life and business coaching training. And I learned how to learn in the, in the realm of neuro-linguistic programming as well. And the very others, various types of, of trainings that I was already laying the foundation to leave that one environment because I was in it for so long that I realized I can't do anymore and start training, preparing myself to make that transition, to make that big jump to leave. And eventually I was able to do that and started training myself more in depth and learning and working with my friends and working with people, even on a pro bono base, so I can see the type of results that I can get and see the changes that they can make so that I can start transitioning myself into a full-time career as being a coach, a trainer, and a speaker. Well, you hit an elephant, you know, the elephant in the room about being a full-time coach and trainer and speaker is that when you compare the um, stability of income for that business model to real estate, real estate could look pretty stable. <laughs> true <laughs> true it could look very stable and at times i was challenged getting that getting the coaching business off the ground and you do still have your ups and downs but to me it's more rewarding at the end of the day you know getting that nice big paycheck from real estate is great to see but to me it wasn't fulfilling it wasn't helping enough even it was, though it was it, enough to get you started in the industry. 
Correct. It wasn't, it wasn't helping enough. And I need, I felt like I needed more. And I will work with people on all different income levels just to get started, you know, and just to help them start moving, start getting them in the right direction. So I can start building up my own confidence, my own, my own new book of business from going, transitioning from real estate into a book of business of personal development. And I put myself out there. There were times when I struggled a great deal. You know, I did a lot of talks for at no cost, but I knew my talks would be making a difference in people's lives. And that to me was more important. I was, I was on a higher level than just helping somebody just sell a home. I was making a difference into somebody else's life. And to me, that's more rewarding than the financial gain at times. Both make a difference. And yes. And both have their financial rewards and their financial challenges. The value of your journey, Lynn, is really lovely because most people will settle for making a little bit of a difference in order to keep the paycheck, even if the paycheck's not quite certain. Mm -hmm. You made the decision not to do that. And then you met these other guys who had made, I'm assuming it's all guys. That's the expression. So then you you, you met these other guys and you made the decision. And... All that just popped in my head is, you know, I don't know, I'll date myself, but there's a, an animated Christmas movie called Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where um, the elf is independent and Rudolph yes. is independent. And they're like, well, why don't we be independent together? You know? <laughs> and it sounds like that's what you all have done. So tell us about that. You said yeah, you started a meetup. I mean, what was the meetup about? Sure. We were actually in a personal development meetup. It was uh, a meetup group um, for neuro-linguistic programming. And what that is, that's a, a way of learning how to communicate with yourself and using language patterns to um, understand more, become more self-aware in how to overcome various things like limiting beliefs. And we were in that meetup group there, learning, training together. My one partner, uh, Christopher Shiver, he was actually a co-instructor of the group at the time. And then my other partner, Fred Martinez, and I were students within the group there. And I got to know them over time. And, you know, it was about a year or two on and off coming from that group and getting to know each other. Then I pitched the idea to them about starting a podcast because we're all seen at the, at the time on a journey about dating and relationships because we're all kind of like single at the time and we wanted to do something. We thought, well, let's, let's start with that. And as we were doing that and it was growing and we're starting to bring in people now, we were starting to bring people into interview. Not we, it just wasn't just the three of us talking we started bringing in more people. And as we kept bringing in more people and hearing about their life stories and what brought them to where they are now, we're like, we could do so much more. And we realized that we need to grow this. We need to hear, we need to get the word out there to help others be inspired. Because like us, we were sitting on the sidelines at times. We weren't going to approach you know, that, that person we saw at the bar because we were insecure with ourselves or we didn't feel we were good enough. And we started realizing that our own limiting beliefs and we figured as three of us together, you know, working together, collaborating together, 
that the, that will make us a stronger team to help support ourselves. And we realized, let's bring in other people now, other professionals, and just to take this web and expand it bigger and bigger so that we can help more people collaborate together to make a difference in the world. And, and, and like you said, I, I was watching your video with Becky about the, the dancing man in that video. Now, I, that was a, a classic video where, yes, you saw that one person that has a shirt off, he's dancing, then you have the next person. And the next thing you know, you have this giant movement. And that's what we're working towards, bringing in collaborative people to expand this web, to bring others in so that they can see that change is possible, that growth is possible. All right, all of us working together. So I'm going to take you back a step because yes. inquiring minds want to know, what was the name of the podcast when it was all about dating? Actually, we it was we, we were playing with the name at the time. We were calling it The Fellas. You know, it was just kind of us talking about like I said, relationships. And, and eventually it didn't last very long where we figured we, this needs to grow bigger. And then we moved it to the extraordinary being movement because we realized we all are extraordinary, even though right now we might not feel it, but we all have that power to be extraordinary, to get anything that we want in life, to live the lifestyle, the dreams that we want to. And anybody can have an extraordinary life, but my extraordinary view of extraordinary life is going to be the same as Zuri Jackie. Oh, and that's where people... And that's where people need to find who they are, you know, having more self-awareness. Cool. And realizing what's important to them. Okay. So let's take people on a, a little bit of a linear journey. Mm -hmm. When someone decides that maybe ordinary isn't good enough anymore, mm -hmm. and they want to move along the spectrum towards extraordinary, towards being extraordinary, where would you direct them? What would be the first place that you would say, you know, start here? Sure. Our, the, the first step, and this is part of our, our, one of our four pillars, is awareness. And under awareness, you need to start planning out a clear vision and plan of where you are now and where you want to get be. Something and told me you would be a left brain. And you would have a very <laughs> linear thing. So if awareness, oh, bless you. Uh, thank you. So if awareness is the first pillar, what's mm -hmm. the second one? Second one is growth. And what growth is is understanding that you're that there are unlimited possibilities. If you're coachable, if you're willing to go be resourceful. There are tons of tools out there that can help you grow into that vision, that sense of purpose that's out there that you're trying to trying to discover for yourself. And there's, and I don't want to hear anybody saying that they can't afford it. The library still exists. The internet has tons and tons of information on there. You can get downloadable books for free. There's a lot of things out there. The resources are plentiful. You just have to really come down to where, what, who you want to be in life. What's your big purpose, your big why? Well, and if you don't have one, because ordinary people don't tend to have pur big purposes and big whys. Correct. So they're not that the, that's why I wanted the pieces, because I'm really aware 
of how many people are feeling purpose shame. And, you know, it's like, I don't have a big goal. I don't have a big vision. And we've got this whole industry that's based on this uh, concept that everybody has a purpose. Well, everybody may have a purpose, but not everybody's aware of what it is. And I was one of those. Mm -hmm. So the conversation for me became really important about where do you start before you've got a purpose? Where do you start before you've got a vision? Where do you start? And I love the idea of you just start. There's all of these free resources out there. All right, so we've got awareness and we've got growth. What else? What's the next part? The, the next part is action. You've got to be in action every day, no matter how big or small it is. And that's where people get stuck. You know, they'll be, okay, I, I'm aware of it. I did some reading. But knowledge is worthless if you don't apply it. <laughs> and if you're not in action every day, no matter how big or small, you're not going to get Okay, yes. now we now I got to talk to you because reading is an action. Yeah, so if I'm reading, I'm in action. Tell me what right. you mean by action in this case. I sure I can read a dozen books, but if I don't take what I learn from those books and apply it, then that's just knowledge sitting in my head. That's not me being in action, applying the learnings that I've learned. I'm gonna be a camera. I'm up yes. in the sky. Yes. I'm looking for action. What is this camera going to focus in on? What's the observable phenomenon that we could see that would say, oh, this person is in action? Sure. Me, for example, somebody reading a book about sales. They're in, a, they, they're in business for themselves. They're, they're feeling a little insecure about cold calling. They read an entire book about cold calling and how to write scripts and how to move themselves forward. That's great if you read it. But it doesn't work if it doesn't help you grow your business if you're not applying it. So that means you being an action by picking up the phone, testing the scripts that you're used in order to see if they work or don't, and then going back and making adjustments and then trying again and then trying again until you find that magic formula that works for you so that you can continue growing your business to be and being in action making those sales calls based upon the learnings you learn from the book that you apply. And that's going to help you be in action. Got it. So being in action, depending on, on what it is, where your personal growth is. That, so, that is correct. Yeah. Got it. Yes. All right. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. All right. So I like clear, concise, and um, really concrete examples. So no problem. I keep pushing. I love it. Awareness, growth, action, and what's the next one? Impact. Impact. So, yeah, tell me more about that. Sure. Impact, to, impact is bringing your past and your future together. It's, it's how you want to change the world. What type of legacy do you want to leave behind? What do you want? How do you want to grow as an individual? And how do you, are you going to share and teach that wisdom that you've gotten from all the other three steps? Awareness, growth, action. Because in life, we all are going to be leaving a legacy of some sort. And the, and the, way, you, the way you work with an intention or with an integrity, the way you grow yourself is going to make a difference in people's lives, either intentionally 
or you know, or unintentionally, somebody's still going to be impacted by how you how you are in life and your stories and your traditions and your memories and your dreams about how you did things, how you created these experiences is going to make a lasting impact on generations beyond you. So that's, so impact is really your bigger, your big why in life. Like for myself, as an example, my big why in life is, you know, my big impact is leaving a legacy behind where change can last and continue on forever. That I, that I will leave a system in place that people can pick up and learn from and keep moving themselves forward and that this movement can keep growing for years and centuries after me because people want to constantly keep growing and see the impact that it's making on their lives and the lives of others. Now that made sense to my brain. Now I got it. So the purpose of this journey is not so that I could become some extraordinary being. The purpose of this journey is so that we can inspire the world to become extraordinary beings. That's correct. Took me a minute. Took me more than more than one. Took me a few, but I think I got there. So you all have created a system for becoming extraordinary. If yes. somebody wanted to create a system for becoming whatever it is they are inspired to be. Mm -hmm. How do you create a system? Let's just go there for a minute. Because I'm not a systems really kind of person. So just so you'll know, this is this is you know, me wanting to know for me. Sure. Because I've been told that systems will simplify my world a yes. little bit. And it's like, yeah, okay, so what's a system? Yeah. And they're like, well, they've given me some analogies and none of them have really stuck. So I'm just going to toss it to you. What's a system when it comes to creating something that is sustainable and that can outlive someone? Well, that's a powerful question. Um, a system is having a plan in action at all times. Being able to write out step-by-step step from point A to point B and all the little steps that go in between so that somebody, anybody can pick up that manual and be able to digest it and understand it and walk themselves from point, from the, from the first point to the next, to the next, to the next. And building and, and being able to create that impact at the end, we'll be able to take it and being able to move it from themselves to somebody else to continue on with that journey so that they can start from A again and continue on making that new changes, those new those new changes for themselves that can make that impact for them in their lifetime, in that generation, and have that system keep moving and growing. Because it's, it's never ending. It's, a, it's, it's constantly growing. And it takes not just one person, but it takes many people to have an effective system work. And it takes teamwork and effective leadership to move it and continuously have it grow. 
the idea of the journey you've been on, that it all started when you wanted to be a better father. Yes. And you're the contrast. You wanted to be better than what you would experience. You wanted your daughter's childhood to be more supported and more loving. And so from that place, Lynn, you've gone on quite the journey. And as you said, she's 24 years old. So this is you know, just a little over 20 years. Uh, it's quite the journey. When it comes to inspiring people to create a legacy, what's been the biggest challenge that you all have had to overcome at the Extraordinary Being Movement? Our biggest challenge we've over, had to overcome is really our own limiting beliefs. Mm. At times we're challenged by this business because we are taking such a big stand. And sometimes doubt creeps into our minds. Are we good enough? Do we, do we really, are we strong enough to be doing this, to be moving people forward? And, you know, in some things, you know, we question ourselves. I question myself quite often and I have to realize that this is bigger than me. And when I'm thinking, thinking the way I'm thinking, I'm thinking small. And that doesn't help me. And it doesn't help anybody else. I have to constantly keep thinking big. I have to go back to my purpose of why I'm doing this. And that's why self-awareness is so important that what people, that's where you really got to start having a clear vision, you know, understanding the bigger picture because that is going to keep, keep, keep moving you forward, keep having you drive yourself to realize that this movement isn't about me. This is about you, Jackie. This is about Jackie. This is about everybody that's in our lives and those people who will be coming into our lives and those who aren't even here yet. That this is bigger than us. And this is what this movement is about. That everybody has the potential and the power to stop playing small and start playing big where they're supposed to be and live the life of being journey on their terms and be unapologetic about it. Cool. Because it's your life. And, and, and that's what this is about. It's about you playing big, your life, how you want to see it and how you want to impact people in a positive way. Okay. So about playing big. Mm -hmm. We live in such an interesting time. Mm -hmm. You know, people can go online and they can see really big players, except that we don't know what's true anymore. Correct. We don't know what's big and what's um, a story that someone made up. True. Yeah. I mean, we, we know not all stories are true. Even the ones we tell ourselves, not all stories are true, especially the ones about not good enough. Yes. When it's hard to tell what's true, where do you recommend that someone go to, um, and, and it maybe it's just a mental exercise, where do they go to to find a safe place to figure out what's true for them, to, to develop some discernment about what's true? I think what will work best and everybody can have their own way of doing this. Uh, what works best for me is meditation. Being able to sit quietly somewhere for about you know, 10, 15 minutes, early in the morning, late in the evening, 
and just being with myself, being with my thoughts and, and starting to just find that, that clarity, that, that sense of being of who I should be. And just kind of just clear my mind into a world of, of emptiness, of nothing, mm. and trying to find my inner creator that can really help me find the freedom that I'm looking for. And I like to call it my flow when, it just, when it, the information starts flowing into me, especially like when I'm writing, I just start flowing. And next thing I know, my fingers are just typing away. An hour goes by, and I read what I wrote. I'm like, did I really write this? Mm. I mean, it came from nowhere but it was always there. So that's where you need to find that, that quiet place, that inner peace where you can just close out the outside, be with yourself and just let it come. You'll feel it. You'll feel that sensation through your body. You'll feel it. And then as you start feeling it, have a journal, have a book by your side and start writing rapidly. Start, you know, once you're out of that state, just start writing it down, everything that came to your mind and you'll find the answers in your notes. Cool. So meditation is a good place for people to start. Yes. You know, so, and it plays right in there with the first pillar of awareness. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds like some of your vision has come to you through the meditation and the writings that you do after the meditation. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'm a strong believer of awareness. That's where everything needs to start hmm. because we don't have a strong awareness of how how and why we do certain things, we'll never be able to understand the rest of it. We have to understand our belief systems, why we're limited in the way our, our thinking. We need to understand our emotions, why we're responding to certain things. See, all of our emotions are based upon past experiences. So when, so when we're triggered by something, it's based upon a, a past. And our bodies live in the past because that's all they know. So when you feel irritated or agitated is based upon something subconsciously that you felt somewhere else in your life. And we need to understand where that, where, where that came from. Why is it resonating again? And then how do we correct it? How do we replace those feelings with some, with new feelings, a new sensation? So we're not so easily triggered by that anger or emotion any longer. And we need to work on that. I think that that's a really, really key point and a great place for us to bring it back full circle. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you said that made a big difference for you was in owning what you'd already accomplished, no matter how small. Yes. And so that's a recognition because I think owning what you've accomplished can include if somebody spends even five minutes a day meditating, that's mm -hmm. an accomplishment in a world that values being busy. <laughs> That's right. We all can be busy, but what are we really being busy on? You know? Cool. But yes, and then there's something to share. I have my best friend always has to remind me, because even I fall into this trap of all the compliment, compliments I've done in my own life. So always take time, write them down, be grateful for what you have, and realize you've done a lot in your life, no matter how big or small it may be. And don't compare yourself to, the, to all the fake people that are out there on social media. A lot of it is not real. So don't compare yourself. Be, compare yourself against yourself. And keep there we fighting go. To be yeah. better. Don't compare yourself to anybody because you go crazy trying to figure out which ones are real and which ones are not real. That's correct. And 
I just want to say thank you, Len, because you put together a really powerful workbook on overcoming limiting beliefs as a mm-hmm. gift to everyone. And so I just want to say thank you for that. It's in the show notes. It's in the chat box for those here live. And it's a path. And I love having starting places. So it's not everybody's comfortable being dropped into the middle of a story. So this is a great way to get yourself back to the beginning, even if you did find yourself dropped into the middle of a story. Lynn, thank you for making the time to be with us on the show today. I really appreciate you. Thank you very much, Jackie. Whatever impact I can make in the world and to help others is where I need to be and what I want to be doing. So thank you so much for having me here today. You're welcome.